0: Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of The Wally Pod, a show where I interview my peers who are embarking on their careers in areas from investment banking, to software engineering, to entrepreneurship, and more. We explore the lessons they learn navigating college, their plan for future success, and the views they hold on the future of the world as the next generation that is taking the reins. Subscribe to join me weekly for informational and motivating interviews. In this episode, we'll talk with my friend Jack Pollock, discussing his non-traditional college experience and the several startups he's co-founded. He'll tell us about his time spending a summer in Silicon Valley, living out of his car, and getting into one of the most prestigious startup accelerators in the world. Jack is an incredibly interesting person. So, without further ado, here's our conversation. Hey, Jack, how's it going?
1: Dude, what's up? First, like, real podcast, I guess. So, it should be
0: fun. You've got an incredible story, and we've got several companies to get to, but I want to start off pre college. Can you give us a brief bio of your? pre-college experience. I know you moved around a little bit and how you ended up at Madison.
1: Yeah, I guess I kind of had like a pretty interesting childhood. There's kind of like two sides to it. Growing up first until I was up until like, you know, fourth grade, lived in a super, super nice neighborhood, gated. Our neighbors were like Vikings players. It was pretty like out of touch with reality in terms of places to grow up as a kid. But I mean, it was pretty awesome. Like it was, you know, we could kind of go out, run around, um, do whatever we wanted. And so that was really like the first part of my childhood. And then everything kind of switched a little bit. So I got to kind of experience that extreme. And then I also got to experience kind of the other extreme, you know, some family stuff that happened. We ended up kind of losing that house and then uh, moving into the house my dad actually grew up in. um, And it was more so along the lines of my mom couponing, like, occasionally, the power would get turned off very, very opposite of the like, kind of first part of my life. But, but I think like having those two experiences has definitely like been a big part. in like, what I've done now, the last like five, 10 years, and like, I'm really glad I kind of got to see both sides of it, because it definitely has like shaped my views on, you know, like the role of like money in life, and, and kind of some of those like more you know, philosophical questions. That's like really like fast overview of the first probably 15, 16 years. And so then I moved again, my senior year in high school with my mom to Madison. And uh, that's where I ended up graduating high school. And then right after graduating high school, I ended up just moving on to campus that summer before freshman year, which ended up being a pretty interesting experience. I thought I was getting into this sublease like by myself. And then like Two weeks into it, this random other guy just moved in. Um, so it was like a four-bedroom apartment. I had I had two bedrooms. He had the other two. And then like I find out he's this double felon and like, oh no, yeah, he was just a he was an alcoholic, just a a weird guy. And uh, ended up sleeping with my my door locked most nights in there. <laughs> but uh, it was a pretty funny funny interaction. Um, definitely like a like an intro into doing things on my own. But yeah, that's like really, really fast overview of the first kind of chapter of my life leading up to college.
0: Yeah. So were you a pretty independent person growing up, having to move around, especially senior year? I imagine that was hard to leave friends at your old high school.
1: Yeah, I definitely think I've always been like very much like an independent person. Uh, It does like it does start kind of like in that that first part where we're in that that other neighborhood, I mean, it was like a gated neighborhood. So like as kids, we could just leave the house and go wherever we wanted and kind of run around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably started back then. But then I think learning how to deal with just the nature of uncertainty, given like moving and like uncertain family conditions, definitely helped prepare me for the world of startups. Mm-hmm. Um, because every day, like you really have no idea what the hell's going on. But it's it's also just kind of an exciting place to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm interested to hear your answer to this. What what were your career thoughts going into college when you came to Madison?
1: Yeah. I mean, this might sound totally out of left field. In high school, I actually wanted to join the military, which like thinking back now, like I'm the last person in the world that should join the military. But I really wanted to be a Navy SEAL, which which is kind of weird. And I kind of obsessed over that a little bit in, uh, in high school. Like I would go swim before school started. I would like train for the little test. And there was a part where I was thinking like, I might just join instead of going to college. But that that kind of phased out a little bit. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to go to college. And uh, kind of going into college, though, my thoughts were still in that realm. I think once I started getting involved with Envoy, slowly realized that I would do terrible in the military.
0: <laughs> why, why do you think that?
1: Uh, you know, it's just, the world of like the startups versus like the military it's like they're kind of polar opposites where it's like there's no authority like there's no direction or rules and uh ended up really kind of finding out that that's really like the space that i like to be living in yeah you know, i probably would have been happy if i went that other route and i never probably would have known the difference but i'm definitely glad I, I didn't now Um kind of like knowing myself a little bit better if that kind of makes sense mm-hmm.
0: definitely and yeah, we can get right into Envoy now. As far as I know, that was the first startup you were involved in.
1: Yeah. So when I was living in that weird sublet on campus before my freshman year started, I wasn't like trying to get involved in a startup at all. I was just browsing like the UW job page and I saw this job posting for becoming a delivery driver. And I was, it was like, you know, work your own hours. you know, you hop on whenever you want. And I was like, "Oh, this, this seems like a cool thing to do before before I start college seems very relaxed. And so I joined it without really realizing like it was envoy and like they were really just getting started. And, like I remember my first shift, like didn't get a single order. And I'm like, like, what did I just sign up for? <laughs> and then uh, like a week later, they sent an email out to all of us, and we're like, hey, like we're interviewing someone to be, a campus manager for this thing. Um, like, if you're interested, just you know, get back to us. Um, so I ended up talking to one of my my good high school friends, Max, who, who you've met. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, man, like, you want you want to do this thing with me? Like, freshman year, like, it looks like it'd be kind of fun. It's um, so, like we both applied for it, and they interviewed us. I'm sure it was like a total BS interview. Like, I'm sure like one of the only people that really applied yeah. for it. Looking back, we we're like, all right, we gotta be super ready for this interview. And so, like, we came with, like, a, a whole marketing plan and, like, all that stuff. And I'm sure we never actually did any of those things. But, like, we were super excited to, like, just do it. I don't think, like, there was any pay involved. Like, it was this totally, like, unpaid experience thing. But it just seemed exciting. And uh, but a little background on, on Envoy, too. So, it was four guys at USC in California that started it. And uh, that was their first campus. And that summer was like their first attempt at bringing it anywhere else. Um, so like they were trying to bring it to Madison. So it was really just kind of like good luck that I got, I suppose, just on the job posting that day and saw it. But leading up to that summer, the reason that they ended up getting a little bit of extra traction was um, like Mark Cuban came to their campus and did like this talk and they got to do kind of an impromptu speech, like on a stage to him. And uh Mark Cuban just totally shit on them. Like they like they were just <laughs> destroyed by him on stage. But then Mark Burnett, who's like the producer of of Shark Tank, he offered them like a hundred K just on the spot. Like on the This stage. was
0: just a college event where they were speaking there.
1: Yeah. It, you can like find a video on YouTube. It's I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's pretty funny. Just like they like threw some metric out and Mark Cuban's like, that's just a bullshit metric. Like <laughs> he's just like saw right through their shit. But that investment never ended up going through, I don't think, but it did get them some more attention, and so they they got into a, an accelerator called 500 Startups, like right when I was kind of getting involved. So it was kind of fun being in like it, like by complete luck, we were like really like the first ones in and outside of the founders. And so you,
0: you got the job as as the group. Yeah. as the marketing managers, and you guys were the first outside people in the company.
1: Yeah, essentially. And again, I'm sure that we were probably the only people I interviewed thinking back, but we, we definitely like were taking it more seriously than I think they were expecting. And so like going into freshman year, then we were really in charge of everything on campus, like hiring drivers, signing on restaurants, marketing the service. Like they basically just gave us the app and said, like, here you go, like, go do something. The app was like pretty like shitty at that point, too. Like it took forever to get like these restaurants on. And what we did, too, as a company, which really ended up not being a good idea in the long run, but in the short run, it helped us a lot, is uh, we would just, like, put restaurants on there without signing them on. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> going into freshman year, like, I just, like, put Chipotle's menu on the app and, like, printed all these flyers out that was, like, free delivery from Chipotle. And then I would just, like, walk around the dorms handing these flyers to everyone. And they are like, oh, sick. Like, yeah, I'll get Chipotle delivered for free. And uh, like that's another story. But then a while down the road, Chipotle ended up sending a seasoned assist to us.
0: I imagine they didn't Um, like that too much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we did that for like all the restaurants. And then like we would come back to them, be like, "Hey, like we've been delivering from you for a while. Like, do you want to just like sign on with us?" And most of the time, they would just say no because like they were like, "Why pay extra for already doing it?" Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that that freshman year, we were you know we would flyer like two to three university buildings or apartments a day. And then we would just go sit at my, uh, my good friend Max's uh, apartment and just watch orders roll in as the night would like get going. Um, Like we'd open up at four and then uh, like close at like midnight or something. And so it'd be just like super fun every night to see these orders coming Mm -hmm. in and uh, just like saw it really kind of take off over the course of that that freshman um, fall semester. Um, it'd be fun too. like, sometimes we'd have to like hop on our bikes and just go like start delivering orders. Thinking back again, it's like probably like one of the like most logistically like difficult businesses delivering like food. We're all college students. Like we're hiring college students. The founders are college students. We're all remote. Like mm-hmm. none of us really know each other. And so like, we probably had the worst customer service ever. Like <laughs> we'd have sometimes deliveries that would take like three hours. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Like, here, just take a free delivery for your next time. (laughs) Like, you know, it somehow kept growing.
0: So at this point, you you had hired some other students to be drivers. And I imagine there wasn't any, like, special algorithm that chose who was going (laughs) to bring what deliveries. Did you just, like, text people to, hey, like, go take this delivery?
1: Yeah, so um, it would just show up on their phone, I think. I'm, like, trying to even remember how it worked back then. But I remember there was a, there was a part in the company where we would just manually attach an order to someone Mm -hmm. like as it came in. Um, so like, we would just like, Oh, well this person has a couple orders. Like, I guess we got to give this person one. Um, so it was definitely like very like hands on, um, that first semester, but we ended up, so the, the founders of the company also ended up doing this at like, like six or seven other campuses. And so we ended up turning Wisconsin into the best campus out of all of them,
0: including USC.
1: Yes. Like we were doing more orders than they were, which was kind of fun. And based on that, then the founders, so like at at the end of the semester, they again, like told all these campus managers, you know, Hey, like we want to hire a few of you guys to lead expansion to more campuses, you know, over this winter break, you know, you can apply and whatever. So, you know, Max and I did that again. And so we ended up getting that um, and as well as like probably like four other, um, campus managers that were just at different campuses. Um, one of them was Patrick, who, who we went on to co-found line leap with. So that's kind of where we met him, but mm. we can go into that later. But yeah. And again, like this whole experience, Envoy could probably be a case study and like all the things not to do <laughs> when running a startup, like he probably did everything wrong. And like, there was a lot of founder problems too. Um, like at this point, two of the four co-founders had left, um, which probably should have been a red flag, um, like for us going forward.
0: Were were you pretty involved in talking to them at that point?
1: Yeah, super, super involved. Like we were talking to them, you know, every, every week at a bare minimum. And then once we kind of got this, this new, like, um, like, you know, promotion, I guess, um, we got a little bit of equity in the company. Um, but it was a little weird of an interaction. Um, like we had to like negotiate for like a better deal because they were trying to just like, you know, slip something out from under us. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that probably should have been a bit of a red flag. But we ended up, you know keep doing it. And so over the course of that winter break, we went from like six campuses to twenty five and that was like in the span of a month which again probably way too much way too fast especially because like we were relying on free deliveries for all of our growth we were paying these drivers guaranteed like minimum wages we were just burning through money but like like a surface level perspective like it looked like we were growing really fast so like we were able to get some cool press around the company and then uh our ceo anthony actually became a there's this like thing called the Teal Fellowship. It's like Peter Teal will give, you know, student founders $100,000 to uh, drop out of school and focus on their company. Mm-hmm. And so he he ended up getting that. Um, and then we raised, I want to say like a million and a half dollars, like close after that. And then like a week after he actually broke his neck in a oh pool gosh. accident in Vegas. And so it was I'm sure for him too, is, you know, top of the world to a very life-changing experience. And he was always definitely like the one kind of driving the company forward. So it was, uh, it was definitely like shook things up a little bit, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we, we kind of kept going. We ended up moving out to San Francisco the summer after our freshman year and lived in like the typical startup house. Well, actually before that we lived in one of the founders, parents house, Mm -hmm. Uh, Max and I like shared a garage. Um, So like there was just like two mattresses in there and you just couldn't, there's no floor space. So like you just have to walk on top of the mattresses.
0: How long were you doing that for?
1: So we were in that house for like a month and then we ended up getting our own house on the Santa Clara campus. Um, And that was pretty cool to like have our own startup house like you know we had a cool backyard like just again mattresses on the floors of these bedrooms like desks in the in the living room it, it was pretty fun and uh like we would just kind of work nine to five every day and then when five o'clock hit like all their friends would come over like we'd hang out in the backyard and <laughs> like definitely not work at that point so it, it was fun too you know max and i would we took our mountain bikes out there we would just like kind of bum around san francisco go different places so mm-hmm. that, that was a really fun experience for us Back. but things were not well with the company at this point. Um, we, we relaunched all these campuses in, in the fall of my sophomore year. None of them were, were doing well. Like We tried to do some of these fixes. You know, We were gonna try and sign on more restaurants officially, have some sort of algorithm so our, our drivers would, would not just be like getting paid guaranteed money, but none of it really worked. And the company started getting a little divided as our, our CEO Anthony came back. Um, There's kind of like two camps and it was split between the two remaining founders. Um, and there was just too many issues where it, it ended up just kind of shutting down. And like, yeah, it got like acquired, but it's total like BS acquisition. Like basically just gave the company to to a, a service called Joyrun. Some of the people ended up continuing on and working for Joyrun, but that was really the end of, of Envoy. So it was like really this like crash course in the startup world. Anything that probably could have gone wrong did. So it was like really like the perfect learning experience for us, like going into to doing more of our own startups. And it it was kind of nice. We got to learn kind of not on our own company. So like it really set us up well as we like started diving into new things. But that was the Envoy experience Mm -hmm. kind of in a nutshell.
0: That's so interesting. And when you guys raised that money, were you involved in the raising process? Was it Peter Thiel's fund that gave you guys the one and a half million? I think they
1: put in a little bit. But a little more on that, I don't think we were able to raise money from any VCs. Like everyone actually that looked at our numbers and saw like what was going on behind the scenes was like, hell no, like this company is not doing well. We ended up raising money from this, I don't even know, some random guy in Hong Kong. I don't know how, like I I wasn't involved in the process, but I think he just invested money and then like no one ever talked to him. It was like the most hands off like investment ever. I'm sure there's more to that story, but I wasn't super involved in the process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's kind of who we got the money from.
0: Interesting. So it definitely sounds like Envoy Now kind of lit the entrepreneurial fire in you. What do you think made it so addicting, if I'm correct to say that?
1: Yeah, dude, it was totally addicting. Like I think like the best part was like you know, you, you make like a change or you do something and then like you see it happening that day. It's such a rewarding feeling to like work on something and then all of a sudden like it's out there and happening like mm-hmm. right away. And I, I think that's like the feeling that I got like most addicted to. That was like, it was just so exciting. And like, especially like my freshman year in college, like go live out in San Francisco and like be in this crazy, weird startup house where we're just like on our own out in San Francisco. Like, it was just so much fun. I I like, I wanted to like keep doing things like that. And yeah, I think it's like kind of when I realized like, this is definitely what I want to be doing, Mm -hmm. like for good.
0: And at that point you had done a year of school. What, what were your thoughts on, on college? Were you ready to drop out or were you, were you still pretty into your education?
1: Dude, I hated school so much. I remember like there were times freshman year where I was saying, like, man, I just want to drop out and do Envoy, which one, that would have been a terrible idea, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I I already really didn't want to be there at that point. But I did have like a a scholarship to Madison. So I I really didn't have to pay barely any tuition. And my like, my thinking was like, yeah, I'll just give like minimum effort to my (laughs) classes. Like I'll pass, I'll get my piece of paper or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But like all four and a half, I guess, years in college for me, maybe. Five ten percent of my time went to school. Yeah, I mean, like I, I would never go to class. I would just study the night before exams, and then yeah, I did all right though. Like it, it did kind of work. I found a, I found a good setup that worked for me. But yeah, I never really cared much for for the
0: actual classes. Mm-hmm. All right, so Envoy now, quote unquote, gets acquired, and you seems like waste no time at all, and found Linley with Patrick, who you said you. Uh, met at Envoy. And so Lion Leap, for people who don't know, a lot of people in Madison and I'm sure around college campuses know what it is, but it's a skipping service for bars and clubs and it's evolved to do more than that. And you can elaborate on that, but can you tell us about how the idea came about?
1: Yeah. So like during that fall semester, my sophomore year, as Envoy is just completely blowing up, um, Patrick calls me and is like, hey man, like we have this idea, like do you want to kind of work on it? And he had been uh working with a friend, I don't know exactly how they met at Michigan. Um his name's Nick. And he's one of the guys we started Line Leap with as well. And there was a company there selling line passes to one of the busy bars in uh in Ann Arbor. And his thoughts were, you know, we have this huge Envoy network now on like 25 college campuses. This seems like it's working here. Like we could probably just start doing this at all these other schools. And so it ended up being Patrick, Nick, Max, um, my friend from high school and myself. And so we kind of started it like same time Envoy was like going down. So it was like a pretty fast transition right into it. Um, And like I remember trying to study for my finals that that fall semester um but like i I was in what's that like really shitty like weird building that looks like terrible on campus it's like big blocky like like, concrete yeah yeah the humanities building i was like in one of those classrooms trying to study for my finals i was just like on all these like calls with these development companies because we're going to try and pay someone to make this app Mm -hmm. and everyone was quoting us like hundred thousand dollars like there's no way like we could have afforded building that and like we couldn't find anyone to like build us an app that like knew what they were doing finally patrick was like jack can you just like try and do something on your own and i was like yeah i'll look around and so i just made like a squarespace website and it took me like maybe 30 minutes and, like it was kind of this like janky thing but it worked
0: I totally remember. That's probably about the time I met you. And I remember you showing me that app and saying, yeah, I just, I just threw it together like the other night.
1: Yeah. Literally like not super sober. I threw that together for like <laughs> an hour. Uh, and it worked though. Like that's what we used for probably two years. That website is still live. Like people still order on that website. Yeah. which like people don't know. It, it's kind of funny. We were like not focused. We were more focused on the relationships with the bars than like the interaction that was actually happening. And like the website it's fast, you know, it works. Like it's super easy to use. Um, and we didn't have to pay like a hundred grand to get it set up. We had to yeah. pay like 20 bucks <laughs> it's a Squarespace. And so I built the website and then I would just started walking into some of these bars. I walked into like Whiskey Jack's and was able to meet their owner. I don't know what he thought of us, but he somehow said like, yeah, I'll try this. And this time they were starting this new deal on campus for like 25 cent drinks. And it was like the first weekend they were doing that, I think. And we had this email list for all 50,000 students that we had got during the envoy days. And we, we abused that list for sure. sure yeah. like I, it was, we probably should not have had that. I don't even remember how we got it, but we got it from like some club president that like definitely shouldn't have given it to us. But anyway, so that the night before we were going to like do a first launch with Whiskey Jacks, like let's just send an email out to every single student. And uh, we didn't include a single word about Lionly. All it said was like, come to Whiskey Jacks tonight, like 25 cent drinks, we were just trying to get a ton of people there so mm-hmm. there would be a line. And so there was nowhere that line leap was even mentioned in that email. And I remember then like the weaning up to that night, like both Max and I are like in our classes and both of us like heard people talking about it. Like, dude, did you see this email? Like Whiskey <laughs> oh, Jacks awesome. has this crazy deal. And like, we're both just like texting each other like, oh shit, like this might get crazy tonight. And, uh, sure enough, like we, we were out there, like neither of us had any idea what to expect. And I don't don't even remember how we had the passes set up at that point, but it ended up just getting absolutely packed. Like we sold out of tickets that first night and we're just like, oh man, like this could actually work (laughs) like that, that just happened. Like people bought these and like got into the bar. And so that was like really the first time I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe this can be like, you know, something. Um, and so I ended up just like kind of doing the same thing with some of the other bars in Madison. I think I probably went into W like 15 times before the owner was finally like, all right, fine. Like, I'll just like, I'll try it. Like stop talking to me.
0: So what was that? Like you walk in the first time and they're just like, no, like we're not doing this.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, and then like, I've come back like, Hey, we just did it with whiskey jacks. Like, yeah and i i'm pretty sure i put together like some janky like one page sales doc which i don't even know what was on there but yeah and then just trying to like pitch him on it but finally he was just like fine i'll like i'll try it out for a night but now now they definitely love us so mm-hmm. it's it's worked out but really that was my spring semester in my sophomore year of college. And so we we tried doing some things with other campuses that semester, which I don't think worked out. It was mostly just Madison at that point. And so that summer, we thought the most logical thing to do would be go after big cities um, rather than more college campuses. So I just, I moved to New York. So I was like yeah I'm going to move to New York where we get on all these clubs like Max was like going into like Chicago I went with him one time like long story short it did not work at all
0: <laughs> At this point you have a couple bars in Madison and Michigan and and that was yeah, it. Yeah
1: literally have a couple bars we've done maybe like a few thousand <laughs> ticket sales but we're like yeah all right we, we can go to these clubs like we'll, we'll take over we'll do this everywhere um and so like I'm like 20 years old and I like subleased this like the office of a two bedroom apartment in uh, Manhattan and it was just a super shitty space. And, uh, just like, again, like, Oh, and I I forgot about this. We, uh, so we, so we didn't have to pay for a bed. I ended up just like getting a hundred day free trial for one of those like online mattresses. And then I would just like, I just like used it and then returned it in the end of summer <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so we'd have to pay for a bed. But, uh, I was out there by myself for a little while. Again, it was, it was kind of funny. It's like me, this like 20 year old kid, like walking up to these clubs, like, okay, can I, can I talk to a manager in here? was <laughs> like, dude, get the hell out of here. Like, what are you talking about? And so Patrick and Nick ended up coming out to New York too. It's the three of us like crammed in this like little apartment. And, uh, The other one of the other people living in the apartment at this time just freaks out and like tells the landlord, says they're going to evict us. And then all of a sudden, we have like one day to like move out and like find a new place to live. And we're like, well, what the hell? Like, we're in Manhattan, we have no idea what to do. And like, we couldn't find anywhere. And so, uh, Patrick had this kid he knew that went to his school for one year in high school. I think he was from China, I think he was a foreign exchange student. And their family, he's like, I think their family just has, like, these investment properties in Manhattan. And so, he texts them. He's like, hey, Gene, like, we're, we're in New York. and kind of need a place to stay. Like, can we stay in your family's apartments? And uh, he was like, I, I think, like, long story short, he was like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? And he was there for the summer, too. So, um, we went from living in this, like, with one bed and three people in this, like, office of a two-bedroom. And then we went into this crazy setup where it was these two apartments that were connected with this massive balcony overlooking like Rockefeller plaza. That
0: and, uh, so sweet. it was,
1: dude, it was like the nicest apartment I've ever been in. <laughs> and so like, and we didn't pay a dime. Like it was just free. And we got to live there for free. That's um, awesome. and like, I remember like one morning, like I'm in bed, Patrick's in, in bed next to me in the, in the other bed. And, uh, all of a sudden like it's like six in the morning and, and Patrick's just like, Jack, is that, is that Ed Sheeran? And we are just like, I think that's Ed Sheeran. We are just like being woken up by the Today Show below us. And it's just like Ed Sheeran, like serenading us as we wake up.
0: That is awesome.
1: Yeah, it, it was pretty fun. Again, long story short, did not work at all. Like we didn't get a single bar or club to like even remotely talk to us. Really? And
0: were you working on it every day? Were you, were you trying to get bars and clubs every day?
1: Yeah, we would we we got like little city bike passes, and we just bike around trying to like go into these places, just cold and trying to talk to people. I remember like a couple of nights we would just like be out till two a.m., just going up to doormen and asking them like, "Hey, who can I talk to here?" And again, I'm sure they're like, "Yeah, talk to Bob. Get out of here." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like at the in the meantime, we're probably like, "Oh, this is going great," but uh, yeah, it did not.
0: I mean that that had to have been pretty demoralizing. Were you thinking about like giving up on the idea at that point?
1: No, honestly, we never really thought about it that way. It was always like, oh man, they're missing out. Like as soon as we get in touch with this (laughs) owner, like he's going to love it. It's like definitely a little delusional, but like we somehow never felt that way. Um, But what we ended up doing is uh, Patrick and I were like, okay, like we need to get out of the city. Like, let's just go try and visit some college campuses. So uh, we ended up like taking the train out like 30 minutes north of Manhattan to this like sketchy car dealership that we had found online and it's just this like very salesy like sketchy guy like selling us a car and like we're just like yeah whatever like we'll we'll just buy it we used like i think it was basically the last of our money to like just give this guy like three 000, four thousand dollars in cash and just got a car um which was also like a total like piece of shit i'm pretty sure the like the check engine like came on as we were like rolling out of like the <laughs> the dealership (laughs) but like the idea was like all right we'll get this car we'll go drive around all these campuses in the northeast and just talk to bar owners on college campuses and so that's what we did we went everywhere from like Penn State to West Virginia we ended up going to Maine just more for like a little break just have fun Mm -hmm. Um, but we ended up getting on I think the best bar we have right now still um, which is Champs at Penn State um so it ended up being super super valuable and we would just uh sleep in the car um one of us would take a driver's seat one of us would take the passenger <laughs> seat and then we would uh like ymca has this thing where like you get your first day there free so we would just find a new ymca like every day and just like a shower <laughs> just and stuff. take
0: a shower that's awesome
1: <laughs> yeah dude it was a janky set and then we'd like sleep in the car just wherever we could and this car that we bought must have had like had like the weirdest alarm system on so like if you like just bump the car at night in a weird way it would just like start blaring with this like aftermarket like horn (laughs) and there were so many times where like we would just be in like a neighborhood and like all of a sudden we'd both wake up in a panic at like 3 a.m and the car just like going off and we're like scrambling
0: to find the keys oh my Um, gosh how many days were you doing that for how many days did you sleep in the car (laughs) dude i don't even remember but it was it was i think at least a a
1: few weeks, couple weeks, maybe. I, I don't even remember. It was the end of summer. Uh, and I remember at one point too, we were driving back to Ann Arbor and we stopped at Niagara falls and, uh, we were just like, we're showering in the public sinks at like Niagara <laughs> falls. And I'm like looking around and like everyone's looking at us and I'm like, wow, like we look very homeless right now. <laughs> like you know, we like hadn't slept in a bed in a while. Like we're like washing our clothes in this sink. And I'm like, yeah, we should probably just like get out of here. <laughs> But yeah, and at the end of summer, um, that's kind of when I took a back seat with Line Leap, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really that started that process kind of started happening while Patrick and I were were traveling and living in the car together, and uh, it honestly was probably like a bit weird because like we were having these talks like while we're like two feet away from each other, so it's like we just like had no space, like we couldn't actually go think like on our own. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like I think it made sense. Like I kind of wanted to like have my own thing, kind of get back to like a like a little bit of like the messy stage of an early startup and uh it ended up like we're all like still best friends i, I help out with flying leap all the time still i mean I like don't do anything really day to day but like mm-hmm. i'll help them here and there but yeah we somehow like figured out something that works super well and uh we're all still super great friends and uh that's kind of when i when i took a back seat and, and moved on to the next thing
0: yeah So was it that you just wanted to kind of be on your own, start a new project, or was it kind of just hard working with a bunch of different people running that company?
1: I think like, so like thinking back, I was definitely just like a little shit. And uh, I think like Patrick definitely coerced me into like starting my own thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it says like a lot to like all of our maturity where like within like two days, we had something figured out really well that everyone was happy with. And yeah, there, there were, it was kind of like there were to like CEOs. And I think it was Patrick's idea at the end of the day. And uh, I felt okay, kind of starting something else and and, uh, moving on. And and I still have, you know, some ownership in the company. And like, we're still all best friends again. So like, it wasn't this like, weird interaction. It, It was very like mutual, and everyone was happy with it.
0: And you're not that involved anymore, but tell us where Line Leap is at today. I know it got into Y Combinator last year. And for those who don't know, that's one of the most well-renowned startup accelerators in the US.
1: Yeah. So like, honestly, it was like a mixture of like the best feeling and like the worst feelings ever because one, like I still had ownership in the company. So I was like, hell yeah, like this is sweet.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then like, I was also just like banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out my own stuff. So I was like, "Damn! Like I'm seeing this this thing that I took a back seat with really like actually start doing well." Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a back seat right before we really started doing sales. I think like when I when I left, we had done maybe like fifteen thousand in sales. That next fall, we did like over hundred thousand. So it was just like, I left at like the most pivotal point of the company. Yeah, which was like in terms of motivation, it's like it's been freaking awesome because basically everything that they've gone on to do it was always like, all right, well now it's my turn. Like I got to go figure out how I can go do this. And it's definitely been like a journey to kind of follow that path, but it's been nice to have someone like that to follow
0: up. Yeah. I I imagine that was hard, but I could totally see I'd be a huge motivator.
1: Yeah. And it was like, it, honestly, like the worst feeling in the world too, because like, I mean, we're, we're all in college and like all of our friends obviously are very in the realm of knowing what line leap is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everyone knows this thing. It's like, you know the it's a cool thing to know about. Um, and I had to feel kind of like a dumbass for, for a little while just because, you know, I, I had left it and everyone liked to talk about it. But again, it, it was like a weird feeling. Cause it's like, I still was kind of part of the company, but I was also at the same time trying to figure out my own stuff. So it, it was like a very weird year to kind of following that. But like, I'm very glad it all happened again, because like mm-hmm. it it's been very very like pivotal in terms of like my own like development and like figuring out like kind of what i wanted to do and leading up to like everything that i'm doing now it, it was super important so I'm, I'm very like thankful for the all for those guys and like we're all again still great friends but yeah that's that was kind of the, the end of Line Leap for me
0: and it it only took you a, a year to get another company into y combinator but we'll we'll get to that after Line Leap, i think cork drinks was next right can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So while I was in, while we were in New York, um, there was this guy we met at one of the bars who had this company called Hooch. So uh, if anyone knows what like movie passes, it was like that, like you pay $10 a month and you get to go get one free drink every single day at any of the bars that are on this app. And uh, we like had pitched him on like Wine Leap and he's like, ah, oh, no, that's never going to work. Like we tried that once. Like It's a dumb idea. And we were just like, oh, like thanks. Uh, like, well, what are you doing then? And like, he like told us like this whole story of like hooch and everything they're doing. And they they were doing well. Like, I think they've raised like five million. They're still a company. I actually don't know how well they're doing though. But kind of when I was taking a backseat with Line Leap, I was like, okay, like, well, this guy just told us everything about his business and kind of shit on Line Leap. So I'm gonna just go try to do this on college campuses versus cities. And so that was like the plan, like day one after Line Leap, that's what I was doing. So like there was no like transition stage really. It was kind of just jumping right into the next thing. And so I started in Madison that fall, very similar to how Line Leap started. I had like a simple website. I would just walk a clipboard and paper list to the bars every single day. So if someone came in to use it, they could like check them off. Um, No one actually really used it. So I was just really walking around for no reason. (laughs) So, but somehow I was like, yeah, no, this is still a good idea. And after that, that fall, so this is the going into the spring, summer, of my junior year i was looking for someone that could actually build an app around this just because the website and paper list was really a pain in the ass and also just not working very well um and so i had been looking for a long time for someone that could do do something like this and eventually i found someone through like a friend of a friend uh, and then it was his his friend from back home in boston um his name's avery and, and he's who i'm working with still on uh on drip i think the first time we called it was like a three-hour phone call and uh, i I like i have a screenshot of the phone call like ending because i was like you know what like i have a good feeling about about this like we really just clicked well he seems like he knows what he's doing and then like the next day we got on a call he's like yeah the app's done here it is like (laughs) and i was like okay like i think this is going to be like a good relationship and uh a little background on him too he's just a, a really really crazy talented kid Like in his freshman year in high school, he was developing these Minecraft servers for a company um, and getting paid like a full time dev salary Mm -hmm. his freshman year in high school. And like his grades were like tanking. But like he was like, I don't care. I'm making like all this money doing this. And eventually he like quit that. And that was and then I, I think I got in touch with him right around the time when he was dropping out from his first semester in college, he went to this like uh, programming school in in San Francisco for about a semester before dropping out. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's right when we got in touch. Um, so I think he was also kind of just looking for something to do. So it was really like the perfect timing for both of us, um, to get in touch. But, uh, we got the app up and running in Madison that spring and it, it worked like it's basically what paid my way for the next like two years of my life. Like it, it paid for a lot of things, helped me through college. And uh, people did use it. Like it wasn't like this, like, but it was It was never like this big idea. But that summer for my junior year, I didn't have the money to go travel around and do sales. So I drew some inspiration from from the lime leaf days a little bit. And I took the passenger seat out of my car and went to Home Depot and just had them like cut some pieces of wood that fit in there. And uh, I put like an outdoor cushion on top of it. And I uh, I built this like little like bed in my in my small like four-door car um, which is pretty funny photos of it and uh i kind of lived in it that summer my whole way of thinking was i need to get out to penn state and get the bars on there that we have for line leap i didn't have any meetings set up i just made this car in my bed and just sent it out there hoping that the owner would be in town and he was i just walked into the bar when i got there it was like an 18-hour drive he was there when I walked in town, talked to him, and uh, I think I don't know if it was like just because like we had done stuff before with Line Leap and like had known each other or what, but he's like, "Yeah, like I guess we'll try it." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Like, and then uh, I, I went back to Madison. <laughs>
0: that is just a one one stop trip. You didn't want to stop anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I don't. Thinking back, I was just like, "Yeah, I just gotta get Penn State." <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, super weird. And I went. I ended up going back out there. I think a couple times that summer. So I was just driving all over the place. And then, um, I had this guy I got in touch with at Iowa state. His name was Kyle. He, uh, worked for like a group of bars there. So we also got it up and running at, at Iowa state. So I was kind of driving between like the two places that made the least sense in terms of like geographic locations. Like I was driving between Penn state and Iowa state. And, uh, that was like my path. I would just go back and forth. So then, and, uh, the fall semester of my senior year, we like launched Madison, Penn state, Iowa state. And it it was, it like, went well, people used it. Um, We were able to like make some decent money running it. Oh. And another thing I forgot when I was living in that car in terms of like showering, I I had a little more advanced strategy than the YMCA. Since there's planet fitnesses everywhere, you can get this like all inclusive pass for like 20 bucks a month and Mm -hmm. uh, they're open 24 seven. So like, I would just like, sleep outside Planet Fitness and like run in there whenever I wanted to. And then like use McDonald's for Wi-Fi.
0: <laughs> Probably easier than finding and signing up for a new YMCA membership every yeah, every day. <laughs> I was living a
1: life of luxury at Planet Fitness.
0: So how many, about how many users did you guys have then that first year with those three colleges?
1: We had over a thousand people sign up, but not everyone stayed on forever. Uh, at the peak, the company was maybe making like four thousand dollars a month, which like, don't get me wrong, like that's nice money, but it really isn't like groundbreaking startup world money. And so I, I kind of knew I I was gonna have to find something else to like get excited about. Cause at this point I really wasn't that excited about Cork. It was more so like keep it running just to fund new things, which was really valuable. Like we were able to put all of that money into trying out new ideas without having to raise like any angel money. So it, it was like a super super important piece to all of this um but in terms of things i've worked on it's like probably like the most frustrating and like least excited i've ever been about anything it was kind of like this necessary thing though that I had to like stay up and running but yeah that, that was that was cork
0: how did it end and I, I think you have told me you, you passed it on to someone else maybe at the end of the semester basically
1: I tried to, but actually, like, it's kind of funny. I mean, Cork is still up and running, and there's people that use it to this day. I actually, like, I totally, like, we'll f- we forget about it, Avery and I. Uh-huh. And now and then, I'll just, like, go on the dashboard we had for it. And we're like, oh, like, shit, like, someone actually just redeemed a drink this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, I mean, like... We actually still make like 900 bucks a month <laughs> from people that had signed up and a majority of those people are not using it anymore.
0: They got to check their bank account <laughs> for their subscriptions.
1: Yeah, I know it's like but like all that money that we made from Cork again like was super needed for us to start building other things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that was kind of what led us into the world of Drip.
0: Yeah. Why don't you uh, tell us about that? I know the original idea from what you've described, it is kind of like a Starbucks rewards app for local coffee shops, but it's obviously grown and evolved a lot from that. But tell us about the original idea and how how it got started.
1: Yeah. I feel like like Billy May is like, oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, We're on the last uh, yeah. one for now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I swear. Well, actually, there there oh, is one other one um, that I'll have to tell you about okay. at the end of this. Okay. Um, uh so yeah basically the original idea was let's just do what we're doing with cork but in coffee shops so like you know you pay a monthly fee and like you can go redeem a free coffee every day but it really didn't make sense because it's like with cork the whole thing is like you go get one free drink and then you're gonna stick around and like buy three four other drinks maybe some food no one's going to a coffee shop to get like six lattes so we were just like that, that idea really just doesn't make sense and then i just like i remember i just went and sat at a starbucks for a couple hours and just like watched people roll in for their mobile orders. And I would just like tally every single time someone came in and I, it was like the, the State Street location in Madison. I, I think I counted like 40, 50 people an hour were just doing these mobile orders, coming in, picking it up and leaving. And so like the original idea with Drip was like, let's just try and replicate this system that Starbucks has and uh, bring it to like local coffee shops. So give them order ahead capabilities, with like integrated loyalty, um, and just have this app for local coffee shops. And like from the like the user end of it, like you can go on and you see all of these local shops in your area that you can order at. And the original idea too, we were we were integrating the the rewards. So like no matter which local shop you spent money at, it would go to one loyalty program and you could like redeem it anywhere. So it was kind of like turning the local shops into like their own little chain, mm-hmm. which they were all pretty hesitant to do that anyway, but it's somehow kind of is what we did for a little bit. And so we, we did that for a while. And, and again, this is where like Wine Leap was really helpful as an example. So like Wine Leap also had won the, the business competition on campus and uh, they just gave you like $15,000 grant, which is super nice just to get free money like that. We just kind of scrambled to get an app together for this. And then uh, again, I just cold walked into all the coffee shops in Madison and uh, we ended up getting on quite a few actually, and having people start to use it, like leading up to the week of transcend and, and we ended up winning that again for the, it's kind of like a, a back-to-back win for mm-hmm. us. So we, we got, we got that money again, which was really helpful. And then we did that really through the next summer. I you know tried talking to more and more coffee shops, but the more places we were talking to, we kept hearing like the same thing from every single owner. and it was along the lines of like, "Hey, like this is cool. like our, our customers like it." but it's like one more thing we have to worry about. Like we have our menu that's at our register, which we have to update. We have the menu on these like apps that we have to update. And like, there's all these pricing differences. We have integrations for like employee scheduling. It was just like, they were using like five to 10 of these different apps just to run their business. So it was just like expensive for them, like, super clunky to try and like stitch it all together and like they told us that for a long time and so it wasn't like we just like instantly were like oh yeah like this makes sense we should do this um but finally like we got to a point where it was like you know we're hearing this from everyone like why don't we just try and build like some sort of all-in-one system and so that's that's what we did and that really that kind of came about last September. So not a super long time ago. And really the original idea for it is still what it is today is not just a coffee shop, really any kind of counter service, quick service restaurant can come to us and it's the only software they'll ever need to run their business. So we'll do everything. Um, and obviously, like that's a massive product. So you know, day one, we we were thinking like, man, there's no way we can build this all on our own. Like we might need to go try and raise some money um, before we like really dive into this. So that's what we tried. We went out to Bo- I went out to Boston a couple times, and I had just been cold emailing investors again, trying to set up these meetings. And you know, no no one was interested at all. And I think in their eyes, it was like, okay, there's this like little like. 20-year-old kid and then this like other 23-year-old weirdo like coming in here saying that they're going to take down Square like okay like sure get out of my office but like they were nicer it's a we always get the same response from like uninterested VCs it's like oh yeah you know just this is cool like keep us interested as you grow because no VC is going to tell you just no straight up because you know if you do end up doing something I'm sure they want to actually talk to you long story short. We we could not raise any money And so I went back to madison and uh, I just called avery and told them Hey, one of our coffee shops, like I just talked to them They want to launch with this like tomorrow like next week Like they're down to start using it and testing it out Like do you think you could get something simple together? And he said yes So then I went and actually talked to the coffee shop after
0: that but right. you you had like a basically demo built already
1: yeah we had a bit of a demo but like it wasn't fully functioning quite yet so like we weren't able to like launch with anyone um but i just told avery like one of the coffee shops did want to launch and he's like okay like i can try and finish something and then i i went back and just talked with the coffee shop like hey like we have something ready um like do you want to use it mm-hmm. and then they're like thank god they're like yeah like, we'll, we'll try it out and then for the next two months i kind of just lived in that coffee shop And like, it was a daily cycle of like them telling us like, okay, it'd be great if this worked like this, if we can move this thing around here and how it would work is like, I would be in there from like 6 AM till like 5 PM. I would then like design things after that. And then Avery would stay up all night until like six, seven in the morning coding. And then I would go back the next day with all these updates. So like for them, they were getting this like really crazy experience of like getting a custom POS built for them like instantly, which was like really cool. And like Avery's also like a complete like psycho for like being able to build all this on his own. And we just, it slowly just kind of started piecing together. And then um, another reason Cork ended up being super helpful is because there was this chain of coffee shops in Iowa that our our rep Kyle had gotten us in touch with. So I I drove out there and I was like, yeah, like we got this really cool point of sale. Like it can replace Square. And I'll have to ask them one day, I have no idea why they like, said yes to using it. They have like four coffee shops, pretty busy places, like high volume shops. But they were like, yeah, like we're we're down just to like do this. And I was like, okay, cool.
0: I suppose that's when you know you found a real problem and you have an yeah. idea that's really gonna help these companies out.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like every single owner we've talked with to this day is still having this those same issues. So we launched with them and uh, then some other places in Madison too. And that that's really like pre-COVID, we were able to, I think, get like a pretty decent amount of volume through the platform. And so then I just decided to apply to to YC. I filled the app out in the morning, it took a couple of hours. I just sent it in. Uh, but we had actually like really good numbers at that point. Um, the product wasn't fully done yet, but it, it was definitely looking good. And then you know we got our we got our interview scheduled. And so leading up to the interview too, like you know they say you, you're supposed to practice and uh you know, do some mock interviews. Well, actually, YC encourages you not to do any mock interviews. So we, we did one like 20 minutes before the actual interview. We definitely were underprepared for our interview. Um, and I also just, I just didn't look at who anyone was going into it. Just so like I didn't like hop on this call and like freak out. Like, oh, that's, that's this guy. He's, he's like this person. Um, so like I had no idea who any of the people were that interviewed us and we got just destroyed for 10 minutes in my eyes. Like <laughs> in it, who was, we, it was the, it was Michael Seibel, the, the CEO of Y Combinator who did like 95% of the talking. He's also, he's the guy that, that co-founded, um, Twitch as well. He, I, th- I, I honestly have zero idea what he said. I, I couldn't recall a single thing from that 10 minute interview. And I remember too, since like this was during peak of COVID, it was all just on a zoom call. So like leading up to it, like I'm just staring at this white screen. It just turns on all of a sudden and instantly for the next 10 minutes, like hundred plus questions, like just like a blur. And I, after that, I just like, I went, I felt so down. I was like, there's zero chance we got in. I like went to Chick-fil-A, like put some sad music on and just ate in my car for a while. And usually what they tell you too with YC is uh if you get an email, it's a rejection. If you get a call, a partner calling you that you got in. Um so we got an email um from Michael. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, there's the email. Like we didn't get in. But it was actually him just asking follow-up questions. So we, we scrambled and got together some some responses for it. And then we didn't hear anything for another day. The next day he sends us another email. So I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, there's the rejection. It was more follow-up questions. And so I we're like, oh, my God, like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Like, can you just, like, tell us what's happening? Mm-hmm. So I, anyway, we filled those out. And then uh, the next day, it's, like, 1030 at night. And uh, I just get a call from, from California. And it was, it was Michael. And he's like, hey, you know, you guys are in. Blah, blah, blah. Again, I probably, I have no idea what he said. Cause I was just, like, freaking out. But, yeah, that's. That was not that long ago. That was probably a month and a half, two months ago now. Since then, we've been able to finish a lot more on the product. We're on track to have our first 100 locations fully using Drip for every single piece of their business, which is pretty cool. We just got Ian's Pizza in Madison. And so every order at Ian's will now be through us. Uh, I guess a little more on the product since I haven't explained it a whole lot. Um, there's really like three pieces to it. There's like the order system. Um, so it let's... You know, people do register orders, self-service kiosk mode, which we have, app-based mobile orders, and then an online ordering website. And, and all those platforms are attached to one menu, so they can make, like, we have, like, an automatic inventory system, which updates everywhere. Um, If they make, like, a pricing change, they only have to do it in one place. Um, and then we also go fully paperless, so there's no receipt printers. So all these orders just get sent to one tablet that's, like, in the kitchen. Um, as they're preparing these orders. So like that's, that's the order system. And then for like, the customers too, it's nice because it's, they earn loyalty everywhere. They have all these cool options. And then we have like the management side of things, which does everything from like employee scheduling, payroll, accounting. So it's like a QuickBooks replacement for restaurants, um, like loyalty, marketing, all, all that kind of fun stuff, just to like operate the actual business. So like there's like an employee app with like a messenger and like schedule, all that. Um, and like the third piece is, uh, is banking. So we kind of treat our, like our balance. Like when people purchase at this business, it goes into like their drip balance and then they can transfer that out to a bank account. But we're trying to treat that as like a pseudo bank account. Um, and we're able to link up like debit and credit cards and uh, really offer like a lot of banking services on that balance, like loans and things as well. And so, by doing that, we're able to kind of have that be a source of revenue for us. And then we also kind of have this idea of taking that one step further. Um, this is kind of now getting into idea mode. But when we, when they run payroll, we have the idea of setting up all of their employees on these similar bank accounts. Again, the idea for us it's like a a bucket with holes in it, and we kind of want to just start plugging these holes so this money doesn't leave our ecosystem. And so, where like Drip is this like product version number one. It's this really awesome specific tool for counter service restaurants. We want to just look at the banking data and start building products for other verticals. So, you know, if we see a lot of people spending on rent, which I'm sure we'll see, um, we'll build a property management software, which has a lot of similarities to like the administrative tools we already built. It's just kind of reworking some things. Um, you know, we'll build a very specific product for sit down dining. We'll build one for bars, We'll build one for salons. We'll build one for, for all these different types of use cases. And every time we do that, we'll start from square one, where it's just walking in, talking to these owners, figuring out what they don't like about their current systems, and then building them like a very, very specific tool that's exactly what they want. But that's, again, that's that's like the big idea right now for the next foreseeable future. We'll, we'll be very focused on just these counter service restaurants. Um, and we're really just you know trying to get these first 100 places
0: launched and up and going. Well, that's really exciting and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the growth over the summer and the year. Yeah, yeah, me too. To go back a little bit to why Combinator, can you tell us about what that's going to look like for you guys being involved in that now. And I don't know what it's, what it's been like so far. Have you been connected to people that have been working to help you out?
1: Yeah, it's uh well, first of all, it's been a little weird because it's all remote. This is the first ever remote batch. So it's like Avery was still like in his parents' basement. I'm still in my like piece of shit apartment. Um So it really didn't feel like anything changed. It was, it kind of just felt like it was still us like out hustling on our own thing but it slowly started to like definitely pick up where now it's just like the, ses- the sense of urgency inside of the program is like incredible. Like they definitely push you very, very hard to grow mm-hmm. and get a ton of traction before the end of the summer. So it's like these next two months are, are going to be a total grind for us, which is great. Like I, it's very nice to have that pressure on us to really do well, but it is weird because like, like we don't actually see any, like we're just on Zoom calls with everyone. But but for us, it, it ends up working well because all of our first customers are, are in Madison. Traditionally, I would have had to go fly out and live in San Francisco, which would have meant like I couldn't have been here meeting with all these first customers. So it, it's actually really helpful for us that it's remote.
0: And what's the reception been like from coffee shops and point of service shops? Are, are they looking to change their systems now while they're closed or maybe opening at this point
1: i think we got very lucky like we we unintentionally got this timed up perfectly with because a lot of these changes were happening anyway and now with covid like they're going to need tools for online ordering app ordering all these other things and then for them it's like it's the cherry on top that we do everything else we're able to save some of these locations over a thousand dollars a month over like square which for them is that's incredible and like they also go down from using 10 platforms to just one so it's like I, every single person that I've gone in and given a demo to you has has switched over, which like for us, it's like, that's pretty cool. And uh, I think that the, the biggest example of that was this week with Ian's, you know, I went in and, and met with their owner and GM. Ian's is not exactly like a place that's probably super prone to changing. I mean, like they're like a, they're an establishment. Like they are a really well-recognized business and like, they don't want to mess that up. Went in there um, two nights ago and was just in there from like 11 PM until bar close and just got to see like how Square was failing them, why it wasn't working. Um, and then we worked overnight. We, we coded some things just for them and got them out specifically for Ian's. And then I just like wouldn't leave their owner alone. So I went in the next day and uh, showed him those things. And he's like, "Like, dude, why are you doing this to me? Like, we just, this is just too good. Like he, he, he was like, yeah, we're down like we have to use this. So it's been cool. It's been really cool to like hear that come out of some of these owners mouths. Cause like, it's still just like Avery and I messing around a little bit. And like we built something that these people like better than square, which is like this massive public company. So it's just like, it's a cool feeling to start to see that happening. Um, and like, it feels like we're still a little bit like pushing the, the boulder up a hill but I, like, I can kind of see the horizon where that ball is going to start kind of rolling on its own pretty soon, or at least that's the hope. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty fun, fun journey.
0: That's, that's really incredible to hear. You, you mentioned that you guys are, you got a new office out in Boston. Are you, are you going to be moving out there soon?
1: Yeah. So I'm uh, moving out there next month. It's just, uh, it's pretty funny like to have a real like place that like we can go to Um, so it's exciting. We have a couple interns helping this summer out there too. So like there's people in it and, uh, I'm excited to like get out there and maybe get on more of like a regular schedule. Like right now it's just me like running around all these places a little more in like scramble mode, trying to get things done. I'm definitely excited to be in an office, have a little bit of a normal, normal life just cause like the last five years have definitely been kind of scramble mode. So it'll it'll be cool kind of having that all, all put together.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And I don't know if you mentioned this. Are are these uh, shops they're paying a monthly subscription or is it based on the number of orders?
1: Yep. So um we have a very low monthly price for these shops. Um it's a hundred bucks a month, flat rate, so they can have unlimited employees, unlimited usage. Um, and then we make our money on on what we process. So every time you know money goes through the platform, we make money on that. And then our banking features are what make us money as well so again like we really want to just push to have as much money in our ecosystem as we can and then and incentivize these people to uh use some
0: of these banking tools too so you've you've gotten into you've won a couple business competitions and you've gotten in y combinator do you have any advice for people specifically presenting their ideas to people you're obviously a really good salesperson and it sounds like you didn't necessarily prepare for like the Y Combinator one, but do you have any advice for people on, on selling their ideas?
1: Yeah, I mean, number one, like, yeah, you got to start with like a, a actual problem that people are having. And I think like, I learned this a little bit the hard way, like going through like Cork and Envoy, which both ultimately weren't really that big. You know, the, the problem wasn't that big in the first place. And what's been different for, for Drip is like, you know, day one, we just went around, I, I video interviewed, you know, tens of owners and just, I asked them questions on like, what are you using for this? Why is this not working the way it should? What would you do if you could build anything you want? And everyone said the same thing. So like, that's when we were like, okay, like this is a real problem. And then from that point, it's, it's really easy. You just have to build it and then get it in their hands. So like if you start with like a really good problem, the rest will kind of start coming together. I also just say like too like take all advice with a grain of salt, like at the end of the day, like I'm a firm believer that like no one really has any idea what they're doing. And like, you know, you kind of just got to trust yourself to make some decisions and, you know, learn on the fly from those.
0: Yeah. And, and similar to that for many things in life, and I imagine starting a company is one of the more extreme cases, getting started is often one of the most challenging parts. Do you have any advice for people regarding that?
1: Yeah, do something in the next two hours and then launch it and see what happens. Like that's what happened with Line Leap. That's what happened with Cork. It's kind of what happened with Drip. You know, it's they all were very, very simple in their first version. Just do it. See if people want to use it. If they don't, do something else and then just keep trying.
0: That's good advice. I think getting started is probably the biggest hurdle for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of people have the idea in their head that's like, I need to have this like perfect thing put together right away. But like, I've even noticed this a little bit with the drip. Like a lot of these owners are really excited to be like helping us build. Um, and like their the expectation isn't that they're getting like a perfect system day one, it's more so that like they get to help craft like their perfect system. So like people are out there that are like, if the problem is big enough, they will use something that sucks. If it's kind of solving that problem.
0: Yeah. And pretty rewarding for you guys to be solving a problem that has been such a nuisance for these companies. And you obviously had a very different college experience than most. Do you have any advice for incoming or current students for them to take advantage of their time outside of the classroom?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like really the best time to try things. Like the way I, the way I saw college is like, it's kind of like four free years, just like mess around and try and get something to work. And like, you know, you you don't have to like go and get an internship. Like if if for some reason all this stuff wouldn't have worked out, I think I would have been just as good as, you know, the the group of kids that had these, you know, great internships. I think I could have gone and gotten a job with the experience that I had. So like you don't need to have like this perfect cookie cutter resume. Like if there's something you want to do, just go try it. Like worst case scenario, you get like some cool learning points. And you're still young and like can go do whatever you want. Like it's, it's not like a, a life changing like decision.
0: Yeah. That's good advice. You were planning on doing an ultra marathon a little while ago and it got canceled, but you ended up doing it anyway in Madison. How'd that go for you? And you got any plans for any other fitness challenges coming up?
1: Yeah. Well, one, I'm not doing an ultra marathon again. Um <laughs> but too yeah, like basically I, I'd signed up for it in September and, uh, I would trained for it, but then obviously like COVID happened. So this, this 50 mile race got canceled and it was supposed to be in Sacramento. And, uh, I was like, well, I've like trained for it. So I guess I'm just still going to do it. So I, I ended up doing it by myself in Madison. I just like woke up at like you know seven and just started running here <laughs> and, uh, I just did these like 10 mile loops by myself and i would come back to my apartment for like a little, like five minute break. But it was like pretty funny. Cause like, like mile 35, I was not feeling good. Like I was like, yeah. dang, this is, this is gonna be rough. And like, it's just like, I'm on the sidewalk and like, I'm just like out like normal life. It's like, no one has any idea. That's like, I'm in the middle of this like horrible experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was like a pretty funny thing to like go through. But, uh, yeah, I, I like couldn't run like after like mile 44 like I, I like physically couldn't run so I just had to walk the last like 6 miles which was like the most miserable thing ever and uh, I think I like hurt my knee like I wasn't able to like run at all like the last like 2 months but uh I guess I the reason I signed up for it in the first place was to have like a kind of a hard experience. Uh so I'm glad I still did it. Um but I don't think I'll be doing one again anytime soon.
0: I can't imagine. I like I think so much with races, people just drive off adrenaline for probably most of it. And I imagine that's really hard to get without having cheering or people to race against.
1: Yeah, dude, there is there's none of that. Like I just like came back to my apartment, would eat like I think I ate like rice and chicken that day. It was just like like this sad meal. Like I was like by myself, like just trying to like stay alive, like, alive and it is but like, I'm, I'm honestly like in a weird way, I, I'm kind of like glad that's how it happened because like, like, I got, like, not like I signed up for it to have like this fun, like easy race. Like I mm-hmm. wanted it to be really hard and it was probably much harder doing it by myself. I kind of, I kind of got what I paid for in a way.
0: Yeah. Sounds like you definitely did. All right. I also want you to tell whoever listens to this, the, the mountain bike story about how you ended up getting a free mountain bike.
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, that's a funny one. In high school, we like took this tour to the to the trek. It's like trek bikes is like a bike company. Um, their their headquarters is in Waterloo, which is a little bit outside of Madison. And the founder, John Burke gave the he gave the tour. Um, and like he gave our like whole class, like his book that he wrote. Um, and he was like, Yeah, if any, if any of you read this, and like, email me three things you learn, like I'll, I'll send something your way. And, uh, my friend Max and I was like, we didn't like talk about it, but coincidentally we were the only two people that actually did it. And, uh, he gave us both like a free bike. And so like, we both got into mountain biking after that. And it was funny. There was like, he did another talk one time, like on campus and uh, we went to it and he was like telling the story to like the audience and he's like, does anyone know like what I gave those kids? And like, we like raised our hand and we're like, a free bike? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, oh, it was us. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I love that. There's yeah. there's definitely a lesson in there somewhere.
1: I ended up selling that bike just to like pay rent at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, it was nice to have a mountain bike for a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, I've, I've got a few more just like rapid fire questions to finish off. Let's start out with favorite book.
1: Oh, dude, this is hard. Um, I really like, uh, like reading about other people's stories. Like I thought the Elon Musk book was really cool. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, Oh yeah. Have you heard of Walter
0: Isaacson? Yeah. Yeah. The author.
1: Yeah. All basically all of his books are maybe up there in my top favorites. I really like the Benjamin Franklin one, which is kind of weird. But yeah, I think he does like a really cool job, like profiling people. I also like just like other random books. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really bad at picking favorites. Like every new book I read is my favorite book. <laughs> like it's kind of how it works.
0: Well, that's a really good way to read books. You're always excited for the next one, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Favorite podcast?
1: Hmm. Um, well, I honestly, my favorite one is probably how I built this. Um, like I, that's what I would listen to when I was like just living in my car, like. Bumming it, I'm like, you know what, like this, this will be hopefully a good story one day. So, <laughs> you know, I was definitely drew some inspiration from that. Um, I like Sam Harris's podcast too. Yeah, I don't, I don't listen to it a ton anymore, but yeah, it was probably like
0: two of my favorites. You have any physical or mental health habits that you think everyone should do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I go back and like, like when I was like basically. Like completely broke, living in my car, trying to make things things like really work. I like kind of just like can like made myself like say like if I can like be happy like right now, like I'll always be fine regardless of how things turn out. I think mm-hmm. that's like just been like a good perspective to have on things. Like just have fun on the journey, and like if you can find ways to be happy, then like you'll be set forever. It's like a, i I've like gotten a little into like meditation stuff. Like everything is like just kind of a perspective. Like. Like you can kind of, it's like kind of cool. You can shift your perspective on like any, any situation. And then like, you can go from being like angry to like happy, like in a second by just looking at it in a different way. Um, So I definitely try and do that as much as I can. Um, But I'm by no means like an expert in that stuff. Like definitely probably have some work to do in that, in that realm.
0: Yeah. I think that's really good advice though. What about if, if you had to pick one industry, to have a company in for the rest of your life what would it be um well one thing i
1: am really like curious about is uh is vertical farming um it's like definitely something i, I want to try and get more into we have an advisor that was helping like run this vertical farming startup which is uh i think they just raised like a round of funding but it it it's definitely seems like it's a cool space to be in I have like like cool ideas around it. Would definitely like to like learn more. Again, it's like I'm not an expert in anything that's going on in, in that field, but it just seems cool and uh seems like there's a lot of promising stuff going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I've I've seen just a little bit about that, but I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in agriculture, I imagine, over the years with populations growing so much. Yeah. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would you have dinner with? Mm, I like Benjamin Franklin. I I would Mm -hmm. probably want to have dinner with Benjamin Franklin.
1: Elon Musk is definitely one too. Like, I don't know. I've like personally like drawn a lot from his like journey to try and like learn the third one. Hmm. I don't know. It's a, that's like it's like, I, I would almost want to save it and like, you know, like yeah put a lot of thought into that last one. So I, I think that I would just save it.
0: That's all right. Maybe, maybe a few years down the road, we'll do another podcast and I'll ask yeah. you who, who that additional person is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll save it for them. What's your best tip for making the world a better place?
1: I I don't know. Like, I think people do get caught up with like the idea that like they have to change the world. I I think some, I I don't remember who said this, maybe it was Elon Musk or someone else, but it's like, you don't have to, to change the world to do something that is a value. Like if there's a group of people out there that like find value in what you're doing, like, that's great. Like, you know, that is changing the world. For those people don't get discouraged if like you're not building rockets to mars like you know mm-hmm. like not everything has to be that big to be of value and like maybe it's not even starting a company maybe it's doing something else like you know there's ways to bring value to people just i i i think this was even Musk that, that said all this but yeah, like just just try and try and build things that are valuable and uh it will it will help someone
0: yeah that's good advice and i think that's a good spot to end it. If people want to know more about drip or about you, do you have a spot where they can go look for that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you can, you can learn about drip. You just go to start drip.com. That's our website has all the info on what we're doing there. And, and if you want to learn about me, I, I guess this podcast is probably like a good resource.
0: True, true. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate all the time you took.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's It's been fun, like, rem- even like just like remembering kind of all the things that had happened in the past, but uh, it's been fun just talking about it.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I'll be releasing a new episode each week, so please subscribe and rate the podcast really helpful for me as I try to expand to more listeners. I'd also love to hear any feedback or questions you may have. My email is in the about section of the podcast. I'm Wally Estenson and you've been listening to The Wally Pod.